This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control, BFM's car show. And my name is Ali Johan. We're back in the new year. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm joined, of course, as always, by our automotive specialist, Mr. Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Welcome, Daniel. I'm back. Yeah, welcome back and Happy New Year, Daniel. Thank, thank you for still having me in the new year. You know, I thought <laughs> in December I'll be axed because, you know, a lot of listeners don't like me. I mean, how many listeners don't like me? One. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the tens of thousands of people who listen to us Exactly, only one Small one ratio so okay Small ratio 2022, we spoke a lot about electric cars And I think it's set to yes. continue this year with more electric cars coming, right? Much more, much more, Ali Yeah, so we're going to go through some new launches in the Malaysian market As well as uh, news about Honda working with Bomba And uh, our local company, Proton And see how they're doing in South Africa, of all places Uh, We're going to also discuss a choice between two Mustangs As well as a review of the Mazda MX-30 And that's all coming up next But before that, we've got some news Daniel, we've been anticipating this at the end of last year and now finally Volvo's all-electric C40 Recharge is launched in Malaysia their latest compact SUV but they're only taking online orders for it at the moment so a bit more about you know Volvo moving into the electric car market they first introduced a locally assembled XC40 Recharge Pure Electric we spoke about that on the show last year and then now they followed it up with the C40 Recharge Pure Electric. There are subtle differences between the two and I'm sure you can tell me more about it. Okay, to start with, the C40 Recharge, from ground up, it's been developed as an electric vehicle. Now, I know it looks very much like the XC40 except for the rear hatch uh, design concept, but understand this, the XC40, when it first started, it was designed as a petrol hybrid vehicle. Now, for general public, they might say, yeah, it's, you know, there's hardly any difference here and all that. But no, there is a lot of difference in terms of the, the, the design, the, 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 the concept of the vehicle to accept a full battery system. Now, the XC40, of course, evolved into a full electric car. So when a lot of people said, hey, so, so what's the big difference? Well, we are not engineers. We don't disassemble the vehicle to look what's underneath. But underneath the C40, there are differences. So it started life as a full electric vehicle. So now with the C40, you get uh, updated battery system, updated battery management, software, technology. But when you look at the cabin, little has changed. It is very much like the XC40 recharge. That is why there's a little bit of confusion amongst people. And then the design. Now, if you look at the car from the front, it looks exactly like the XC40 in terms of I call it the faceless grill because why? There's no smiling face. There's no more grill? There's no grill. But you know, electric cars don't have a grill because there's no need for a cooling system and there's no engine to be cooled in front. It's basically just your your components to run the AC system and some of your electrical components. But the whole, you know, magic happens at the rear of this C40 recharge. And why I say at the rear is because it's the coupe profile. And this coupe profile comes for a reason. Number one, of course, design. They want, to, they want to differentiate the two vehicles. But the most important thing, which a lot of people are not thinking about, and I'm here to remind them, is the aerodynamic uh, look of the vehicle gives you better driving distance, especially on the highway. 
So you've got two integrated spoilers in the rear, one of the top, one in the middle of the tailgate. So this is all in line with what Volvo is trying to do. You know, all the new cars are going to come out looking very aerodynamic. You know, Volvo has been known to be a little bit boxy before upright stance and everything else. With this, you know that they have to go into a different direction to get more aerodynamic uh, features in and to give owners longer driving distance from their battery pack. So this new C40 Recharge also starts a new trend for Volvo in Malaysia. It's already been done globally. It's a global initiative. It's not a Malaysian initiative, which is booking the car online. Now, people like me, we still want to go into a showroom. Yeah. We want to chat with the guy selling it or the lady selling it, get a free cup of tea, coffee, glass of water, maybe get a cupcake, you know, while you're chatting. No? <laughs> um, the whole showroom experience is quite interesting, right? Yeah. Volvo is saying globally, they're saying, no, you book the car online. You book it online. You go online, whether you're using your smartphone or your laptop, and then you decide what you want. And then the showroom will be allocated to you to handle your delivery and your after sales and everything else. So what has happened is a lot of Malaysians are not ready for this. So some of them still, after the launch, still went into the showroom. And what happens is the salespeople will then sit down with you with a laptop. So I spoke to a couple of salespeople, which I know from two different dealerships. And over the first weekend after the car was launched, quite a number of people came in. Quite a number of people were actually online with the salesperson booking their car because they don't have a booking slip to give you, you know? Yeah. And they're not allowed to take in any any payment because everything has to be done online. So Volvo Car Malaysia will know what exactly is going on in terms of car allocation, order book, everything else instantly. Right, right, right. Now, looking at photos of the XC40, I can see the difference now. I think the C40 mm. with the sloping uh, roof line at the back... I guess, youthful compared to compact SUV look of the XC40. And uh, let's talk about the output. Some right. specs on there. Yeah, so it's got 408 horsepower, 660 newton meters of torque. I mean, the kind of power delivery these new electric cars come out with is just, to me, it's a little bit insane. Like, but you know, mm. this is what buyers look out for because they can get a lot of power delivery. The 0 to 100 acceleration on this crossover, this is sports SUVs, 4.7 seconds. That's quick. Yeah. Very quick. Um, on a full charge, your best possible driving range is 450 kilometers. An 80% charge with a, with a DC fast charger takes about just 28 minutes. It's starting to get shorter. Like the charging times for all these new electric cars are starting to get shorter. So for this, it's 28 minutes. I think in the next one or two years, you're looking at 10, 15 minutes and then soon it'll be just like you know, putting petrol in your car, that's the kind of time it's going to its going to take. So price, 288,000 ringgit. Two, actually, 288,888. Now, this is a very, very interesting price. I'll tell you why. Yes, it's a little bit more than what the XC40 recharge costs, about 10,000 ringgit more, with full backup and coverage and everything else. On top of that, the C40, much like the XC40, they are also locally assembled by Volvo as yes. well, right? You know, if anything were to go wrong, if you have a little fender bender, you know you got parts. You know you got someone to look after you, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I guess it boils down to, if you like the look now, uh, between the two cars, specs are similar, looks pretty much, if you like the, the younger kind of look, then the C40 could be your choice. Um, yes. With the price difference of 20000 would you see the C40 cancelling out the XC40 recharge? 
I don't think so because can I can still see a lot of older people my age and above right. preferring the XC40 for its boxy rear end simply because that additional headroom. You see, as you get older, you you know, you're not so easy for you to bend in. You know, mm. you know, I'm an old man. I can start feeling the 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 issues with certain people when they try and get into the back of a coupe-like profile. Even other coupe cars, a lot of people have issues trying to get in because they can't bend. So with this, I think the younger generation will go for it. Or, you know, if, if it's if it's a retired couple, you know, in their 60s or 70, why not get this? Because you're going to be sitting in front anyway. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're not going to go online and book a car every day. It happens once every few years. Mm. So that's fine. You learn to do it and you get it done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the pandemic, if anything, uh, have led Volvo to take this step, right? Because we weren't able to go to showrooms at that time and that's how exactly. they started online. That is why it's a global initiative. That is great. So the Volvo C40 Recharge is out in the markets here. 288888 is the price. And you can go on to the Volvo website to make a booking or book a, a test drive after you've made your booking or something like that, right? Of course. Easily done. Not a problem. Okay, in other news, um, Honda, Honda Malaysia. This one is just a report on their recent project where they conducted a hybrid vehicle rescue manual training with the firefighters from Bomba. This hybrid vehicle training between Honda and Bomba is one of Honda Malaysia's steps in educating first responders on the right kind of knowledge and guidelines in the event that a road accident occurs involving any Honda hybrid model. Um, and so that uh, you know the Bomba will not be underprepared to handle the situation. Interesting. I think Honda has done a very good thing here. Number one, because hybrid cars have a battery system, just like with electric cars. Of course, it's a much, much smaller battery system, but still, mm. that's a high-voltage battery. It's small. It can be tricky to work with. It can be tricky to put out if there's a fire. It can, um, you know, injure rescue people or, or first respondents, mm. uh, like the bomba people or ambulance people and all that. Mm. So, Having training for the Bomba, I think, is a very good idea. I think it's great that Honda took the initiative to do this. This costs money. Doing this costs money. Honda has to take out the time, the effort, the training manual, call in the Bomba people, show them, explain to them, make them understand what's going on. By doing this, they're also helping their competitors not have to take the effort to do the same thing again. So Honda has taken the lead. I think more car companies that are doing full electric vehicles like Volvo, yeah. Mercedes-Benz, uh, BMW and Porsche should also look into this with you know uh, training, uh, even ambulance people. I mean, it could be a small accident. It doesn't have to be a big fire, but you don't know when and where something is going to happen when you want to reach the person in the vehicle, you know? Yeah, I see. And you know, now there's so many of these Hyundai electric vehicles on the road. Uh, the Kia EV6 on the road. So I think a lot of this car companies should actually maybe put their efforts together or maybe, you know, if they want to do it individually, that's fine. But this has to be done because even fixing an electric car, you can't just take it to a normal workshop. There are some workshops to say, oh no, we can do everything. We are trained and everything else. Trained where? If you go into a manufacturer's, uh, a person who manufactures electric cars, like the big brands, if you go, they don't have, they don't have a workshop facility within their current workshop, you know? That means where they're fixing petrol cars or diesel cars, you don't have a little ram there that says, oh, electric car only. No, hmm. you have a separate area just to handle electric cars because of the battery system, hmm. because of the voltage. This is not something you gamble with, you know? I mean, there are fundamental differences between, um, you know, petrol engine cars and, and in this case, hybrid cars. And yes. I agree with you. I mean, Honda Malaysia, we've got to give it up to them. Kudos on, on this initiative. 
you know, in an accident, you would think the most simple thing is break the glass and take out the passenger out of there. Correct. Uh, but it might not even be that simple with hybrid and electric cars moving forward, yes. right? Well, I, I hope this initiative will, you know, jumpstart something because when you have an accident with an electric car, forget about the car catching fire. Forget about the car uh, blowing up. We're just talking about maybe a small accident. But you got high voltage cable loose, you know? Hmm. Now say there's someone in the car that's hurt and they're, they're a little bit stuck. So the ambulance comes and they try and pull out this person. And it just so happens that in the cause of the accident, some high voltage wire has been exposed or touching metal or whatever. They could get electrocuted because they don't have the gloves on. They don't have the safety gear all. And that could also endanger the person who's trapped in the car. Now, for Honda to do this, A, they've sold a lot of hybrid cars. B, they're continuing to sell hybrid cars. They're big with the hybrid movement. The new HRV, there's a hybrid. The new Civic, there's a hybrid. The new City, even the new models coming in will all be hybrid. So they know they're going to have a lot of cars out there. They don't want to take any chances of any of their owners being injured. That's the way I look at it. And also the fire team and also the, the ambulance team. So if electric car companies don't take the initiative to take it further because the battery system in an electric car is 10, 12, 15, 16 times bigger than what you see in a hybrid car. And even more powerful, you know, to discharge the power. So, you know, something has to be done to educate these people. And it has to be done professionally. An electric car can power a home. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Ah, so, can you imagine how much? It's like a three-phase, you know, moving around on wheels. I mm. mean, I'm trying to make it as simple as possible how dangerous it can be yeah. if you have an accident. Yeah, It could be fatal for people inside mm. and outside trying to help. Correct. Right? Correct. Okay, so uh, kudos to Honda Big Ups on this initiative and I hope uh, we see more of these trainings. If only they could all band around together and, you know, create like some sort of organisation to teach Bomba and other rescue teams out there on, you know, these things um, that, that the Honda have done. Now, moving on, uh, quickly we're going to look at Proton and how they're doing in South Africa. Uh, it seems like sales are picking up there. Uh, recently, there's news that they've had about 1,000 units of orders uh, for Protons headed to South Africa, export versions. Bear in mind, Proton just launched in South Africa in September 2022. So they've only been a couple of months. They've been selling the X50 and X70 there. Um, how are they really doing that, Daniel? Well, you see, this thing, when the, when the press release came to us, uh, as a website, as a news site, we don't just you know run press releases. We read into it. And then we started seeing others who who ran it and uh, people were making um, very negative comments and saying like, oh, you know, just 1,000 units. Uh, do you know so-and-so sold 10,000 units in South Africa or so-and-so sold 7,000 units? Yes, other brands are selling much, much, much more in South Africa. For example, there are some brands in South Africa like BMW, Mercedes, Toyota, of course, Volkswagen, uh, Opel, doing very well in South Africa simply because they've been established there a long time. They've got big factories there. You might not know this, but you know, BMWs are assembled in South Africa. Volkswagen are assembled in South Africa. Previously, many years ago, these, these vehicles from South Africa, assembled in South Africa, were actually being brought into Malaysia. Hmm. You know, not, not all, but some models. So you do have certain... Uh, uh, imported vehicles in Malaysia that came from these factories. So the South African car market is huge. Now, Proton, of course, was selling them many, many years ago and then they stopped selling and then, you know, they sort of like disappeared from the market. Now, this year, they signed up with a new dealership, a new um, distributor. Now, at first, you know, things were going 
quite smoothly. They started with the X50 and X70 simply because everybody wants SUVs and the same with South Africa. And the immediate rivals, to make more common sense, mm. were the Chinese brands. Because X50 and X70 are actually Geely products. In South Africa, they've got social media. They know how to search and see that these are actually rebatched vehicles coming from Geely. What are the big brands in uh, South Africa from China? Cherry, Haval. Both brands that are also ready to grow big in Malaysia. Okay? Mm. Haval is already here. Cherry has already said they're coming in this year, 2023. They're going to make a big move right here. So when Proton said they started selling vehicles and they've just got 1,000 units going there to, to, to take care of the, the local demand for 2022, a lot of people looked at it as, you know, too little. But if you look at what Cherry is doing and what Haval is doing, yes, Cherry has been there for a few years. They've got 10,000 plus units already on the road. Haval has already got maybe, you know, a thousand or so already running there. From 2021, they've managed to bring it up to 20,000 units in just two years, wow. you know. Hmm. So, yes, there is possibility of Proton jump starting from this thousand units to even 10 or 20,000 units. So, looking at how Great Wall and Cherry have done well in South Africa, I think Proton will also do well. So, before you jump and say, oh, you know, it's just thousand units, Think about it. It was only a few months. September 2022. So October, November, December. Three months. Mm. Three months, you can only go do so much. So I think for 2023, look forward to Proton doing much better in South Africa. Of course, they'll have to eat into Cherry and Haval's segment, you know, because they are also selling SUVs of the same size, same features, same caliber in South Africa. So it's going to be interesting to see. There we have it, the news for this week. Time for a quick break and when we come back, we're going to be discussing a tale of two Mustangs, which one you should go for. That's all coming up next on Cruise Control BFM FM 89.9 is Cruise Control. Thanks for sticking with us. It's Ali and Daniel tonight. Uh, Richard is not available, but the two of us have been discussing earlier on about the, the launch of Volvo All-Electric C40 Recharge, uh, Honda working with Bomba, and as well as finding out how Proton are doing in South Africa. Now, on to the next part of the show. We're going to be discussing two cars that you should consider if you're thinking about buying a Mustang. Daniel, a used electric Mustang or a 5-litre V8 Mustang. Why these two cars and what are the considerations here? Okay, what happened is someone I knew contacted me and asked me, he said, hey, you know, um, how come the electric version of the Ford Mustang is called a Mustang Mustang? Because Mustang has always been a sports car, big engine, you know, real petrol chugging machine, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you if you watch any old American movies or, you know, you watch all the Fast and Furious series, the Ford Mustang is a is a is a true delight to look at, and also you know it, it, it comes with a lot of emotion. You know the 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 sound, the delivery, the speed, uh, how it you know rear wheel drive, you know smoking tires and everything else. But now Ford in in America they decided to make an electric car called the Mustang Mark E. It's a little bit like an SUV crossover shape, standing a little bit upright. They've put the Mustang logo on it, you know, the horse. Now, at the same time, they're still building the V8 and the, and the 2.3 petrol-driven Mustang. 
so it confuses a lot of people, especially in this part of the world. Mm. And Mustangs have been selling well in Malaysia, especially the five liter. Even though the high road tax and everything else, uh, grain importers have brought in a lot of units. There's a huge club of Mustang owners in Malaysia. There are still some 2.3 EcoBoost uh, vehicles running around, but you know, generally, if you drive a 2.3 EcoBoost, you're like, that's not a real Mustang, lah. You know. <laughs> You know, even though it's cheaper on the road tax and fuel and all, you want to buy a Mustang, you buy a five liter V8, man. Right, right. So, when this this Mustang Mark E came out, some dealers were talking about, oh, you know, it's full electric, it's got fantastic power. Yes, we already know that electric cars have got fantastic power. So this person asked me, said, you know, is this a real Mustang? So I said, listen, I don't know who you are really, but in my book, this is not a Mustang. This is just an electric Ford. And they've used the Mustang name. For me, they've used the Mustang name to push the marketing spirit of the car, you know? I see. Because if you just called it a Mark E, probably people say, oh, that's just another Ford, you know? But if you use the word Mustang, a lot of people say, oh, I think it's time for me to move up from having a petrol-driven Mustang to an electric Mustang. I'm still not losing the name Mustang. So if I meet my friends or, you know, when I hang out, what do you drive? I drive a Mustang. Still a Mustang. Not lying. Mm. It's still a Mustang, but it's electric, you know? So I think that was Ford's marketing plan, I think. But again, so he asked me, he said, what do you think should I buy? So I said, you know, if you've got the money, if you still think that you want a Mustang, Mustang, go for the 5-litre V8. If you have an issue about petrol, if you have an issue about, you know, the environment and climate and this and that, then buy the 2.3 EcoBoost. It's still a Mustang, you know? Right. But if you're going to buy an electric version called the Marquis. I'm sorry, la, for me, that is not yet a Mustang. It's a Ford electric car. That's it, you know? But let me share with you some of the figures. The Mustang electric does the 0 to 100 run in 3.7 seconds. Can you believe that? Wow. That's like a race car. Yeah. 3.7 seconds. Now, the petrol-driven version, you know, with all its its fantastic power delivery and everything else, still does 4, 4.5 seconds, you know? Hmm. So immediately, you know that you've got a one-second lead. But can you feel that one second? Of course not. Not really when you've got all that sound and exciting coming from that V8 engine. I mean, if you, if you look at this electric version, like all other electric cars, there's no grill in front. So there's no gaping, angry mouth charging at you. You know, yeah. It's upright. It's, it's spacious. It's, you know, it's, it's a four-door car. That's the other thing. You know, Mustangs are all two-door. Suddenly now you've got this four-door vehicle, you know? Right. Again, these are all situations where you have to sit down and decide what you want, you know. But he asked my opinion. My opinion stands that if you're really looking at something that's iconic, tugs at your heart, go for the V8. Or at least go for the 2.3 EcoBoost because that has still got decent power. If you really want something clean, efficient, uh, you know, silent motoring, and you still want to say, oh, I can drive a Mustang, okay, go and buy the Mark E. But let me tell you this. The Mustang V8, right now in the market is about give or take 300 to 330,000 ringgit. Okay? It's, of course, it's used. It comes from UK because it's right-hand drive. They can't bring it from America because America is all left-hand drive. Other nations, uh, we can't import the cars in, so they all come from UK. The 2.3 EcoBoost, maybe slightly less, maybe 40,000, 50,000 ringgit less, depending on the year, the color, the model. There's few variants. But with the electric version, the extended all-wheel drive uh, version the Mustang E the price starts at four hundred and thirty thousand ringgit. So this is what I told 
this chap on Facebook. I said, listen, this is just my opinion. If you're thinking, oh, you know, Rotex, I still want a powerful car, but Rotex and then, you know, Mustang E, you know, saves on fuel. You know, I just have to charge it and charging is not so expensive. Think about it this way. Buy the V8 5 liter. It's about 110,000 cheaper. That 110,000 savings you can spend on Rotex and petrol the next four to five years. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You know? God, yeah. And you can enjoy a real iconic sports car, la, you know, muscle car. Yeah. Now, if you drive the Mustang E, okay, yes, you've paid 430000 How much emotions can you have from that car? You mm. know? Mm. And the 3.7 seconds, okay, 3.7 seconds is fast. Very fast, very nice. But let me ask you, how fast is the Volvo C40 we were talking about earlier? 4.7 seconds, right? Yeah. One second different. Like I said, one second is very hard to calculate when you're accelerating, right? Unless you're neck to neck on a racetrack or a drag strip. Now, the Volvo, brand new, four-door, coupe, you know, driving range about the same. 288,000 with full warranty and after sales. The Mustang Mark E, yes, fast, everything else. But it's much more expensive and it's not officially in Malaysia. So there's no after sales and warranty. There is some risk involved, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I told him, I said, think about all this and then you decide. Some weeks passed and then he messaged me and said, I bought the 2.3 EcoBoost. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a beautiful car, no doubt. It still looks the same. It mm -hmm. just got less power, yeah. costs less, Rotex is much less and it consumes much less fuel. Interesting, for the first time, Daniel, I'm hearing you say that this Ford electric car is not quite the real deal and, and you're, you're, you're veering more towards the petrol version, uh, either the V8 or as you mentioned, the 2.3 EcoBoost um, and the V8 should be from the 2018 model, right? Yes, exactly. Because if, when you bring in all this, this uh, recon imported cars, you can't bring in cars that are too old. So they're normally two to three years old. Not bad actually. Not bad actually. Because you know why? Actually, Ford vehicles in the US are not expensive because these cars, you know, they build so many of these cars. They sell so many. The cost of production is quite low. And, you know, it's not a high-tech car. You know, it's it's a it's a, it's a huge fun car, you know? Right. So the right-hand drive versions go to UK and then, you know, in UK after one or two years, people sell them. Uh, our dealers go there and buy them, bring them back, you know? So it works out quite well. Of course, you know, th these cars have a little bit of tax on them. The... The, the electric Mustang has got no tax on it because right now the tax incentive is still still in, in play for, for electric cars. Yeah. yeah. So even though it starts at 430,000, um, you got no road tax and no, no, no tax, no import tax. Yes. Uh, I guess it's really for real fans of the Ford brand or the Mustang brand for them to actually think about getting a brand new um, Mark E Mustang. Correct. Correct. Okay, then. There we have it. Uh, the comparison between a used V8 5-litre Mustang petrol engine or the new electric Mustang which is called the Mustang Mark E uh, Daniel's given his thoughts and it's up to you to make your decision you can go um, I mean there's no way we can test drive it right? Uh, no <laughs> yeah so look it up online and check out the specs and just look at those photos uh, the 2.3 litre EcoBoost is not that bad looking as well even though it's a slightly lesser performing car I guess compared to the V8 now when we come back we're going to go into a drive review uh, Daniel got his hands on the Mazda MX-30 so keep it locked here Cruise Control BFM 89.9 
BFM 89.9, you're listening to Cruise Control. I'm Ali Johan. Tonight with Daniel Fernandez. And now, we are going on to our drive review as Daniel recently drove the Mazda MX-30. Daniel. So what is the MX-30 now? A lot of people were a little bit confused when they first saw the... First of all, you know, MX and, and 30, they thought, you know, it's another petrol-driven car. Some people even thought it was a two-litre petrol-powered new Mazda. Yeah. This is not. This is a full electric car. Again, we are talking about full electric cars. Same segment as the Volvo uh, C40. It's a coupe. If you look at it, yeah. almost similar, right? Right. right. I'm seeing it now. Uh, four doors, upright, uh, but the rear is nice and um, Slopey. Uh, sloping down, mm-hmm. sleek. Uh, front looks very purposeful, but this one has a, a grill. Which I so like. It has a grill, yes. So, when I saw it first, I said, hey, this electric car go grill, you know. Maybe because they might, might put in a petrol engine one day and sell it, you know. Right. Okay, they're keeping it, the options open. I think so. Because why? The design is a very interesting design. I'll explain to you. If you look closely at the pictures, you'll notice that the second picture, you have to go to DSF, of course, uh, listeners to look at this. Mm-hmm. The doors open a bit differently, right? I rarely see back doors open like that. Like, yes. In a so, different direction. Yes. So, you, these are these these are called uh, um, very unusual doors. But, you know, if you remember the Mazda RX-8. Okay, the sports car. The sports car. But it was a four-door sports car. Same thing. The front door opens and then the rear door opens. Like ambulance Same door concept. like that. Reverse. This is a reverse of, of, of a rear door. So, it's very easy entry for, for, for rear passengers. But the rear passengers can only get in with the front door open. You can't open the rear door without opening the front door. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Uh, so I would say this. Great for parents with small kids. There's no way the small kids can open the door unless you open your front door. Hmm. Now, this uh, unusual door system was first seen in, in, you know, a lot of old classic cars used to have it. And then Rolls-Royce had it. And Rolls-Royce still has it in, in the Cullinan. You know, okay? Hmm. And, and some of their high-end models. So this is a very um, unusual door system, uh, but let's not concentrate too much on that. Get into this vehicle and you'll notice that it's not that big, okay? It's not as big as, say, the Kia or the Hyundai electric vehicles. It's more the size of the Hyundai Kona, for example. Okay. It's got a little bit more space than the Volvo C40, uh, but it's got a nice size boot and it's tall, so you've got a lot of headroom even in the rear. And with the doors opening uh, outwardly, you, you also get easy access to the rear. But what is more interesting about this car is the interior. Now, a lot of electric car manufacturers today, Volvo included, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, uh, you know, Porsche, Audi. Audi has not come to Malaysia yet, but they're coming. And including some of the Chinese car manufacturers. They are using a lot of recycled materials in the interior. Uh, PET bottles, different kinds of plastic. And the reason for this is because they're trying to, you know, if, if I'm going to give you a... a Ecologically conscious car. I might as well be ecologically conscious about even the cabin materials. Excellent. So all the wood finish in this car is made from, I'm going to spell it out, C-O-R-K. They use cork. Yes. That's wood, right? That's Mm. a kind of wood, right? Mm -hmm. So they use that, but the way they put it together, if you see some of the pictures close up, I mean, it's better if you can can go to the showroom and see the car. It looks like high-end wood, you know? And even the leather in this car, which looks like real leather, it's vegan leather. I don't know what they mean by vegan leather, but they gave a whole explanation about how it's made. And that's very interesting because when we got into the car, it smelled like real leather. It felt like real leather. It touched, you feel, it's all like real leather. So Mazda has taken this whole ecological move completely. I mean, 
like I said, the other electric car manufacturers are doing it, but Mazda has taken it completely. So, so many elements that that say, hey, we are really looking towards eco cars. Very thoughtful. Now, the next thing is, if you if you sit in the car, and I, I can I can only explain this for you to understand if you go into the showroom and and do what I'm telling you to do. Touch and feel all the components, the buttons, the knobs, the gear shifter, the steering wheel. Everything feels premium. And when I say premium, Mazda has already been moving the game up with their premium vehicles. So like the CX-9, the high-end SUV, their Mazda 6, this is the kind of interior you get in this electric car. So it is not a bargain basement electric car. It is a very high-end vehicle. And now I'm going to go into the powertrain. The only problem is the powertrain. Mazda has not given this a huge battery system. So the stumbling block with this car is a 143 horsepower electric motor. Small electric motor. Mm. 271 newton meters of torque. Now, you know, if you talk about the Volvo and everything else, it's all, you know, 300 and 400 and 400 and 600 and 500 and 700. You know, everybody's got this huge power and huge um, range. Because why? That's what people look for in electric cars. Now, for Mazda, with the MX-30, this is their first full electric car, just 143 electric motor, 271 newton meters, driving through the front wheels, and the battery system only gives you, at best, 199 kilometers of driving range. So this is something which a lot of people say, ah, you're 199 only. But Mazda is saying this, we are not targeting for you to look at this car as your, you know, outstation commuter, uh, driving cross-country, no. We are looking for a city commuter car. So when I took this car home, I had this all these reservations about how far can I go? I've got it for a few days. How far can I go? Then I realized one thing. If you're just using it for a city commuter car, say, for example, Ali, you, mm. okay? You live in PJ, you work in Tamantun, every day you commute. You probably take in about 15 to 18 kilometers a day. So let's round it up to 20. La. Now, in between, you might, you know, go and pick up your daughter. You know, in between, la, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's another, say, 20 kilometers. Let's let's say 50 kilometers a day at worst, okay? So on average, every three days, you got to charge the car. Driving is 199 kilometers. So I'm giving you some some extra allowance there, yeah, okay? Yeah. So if you're charging the car every three, maybe four days, if you do it overnight, how does it affect your life? Almost no effect at all. Yes. So you, you, you come home on the third day, you say, oh, I've got another... 50 kilometers range. I've been driving around a little bit of city. So I plug it in. I go to sleep. Morning, I wake up at 7 o'clock. I go to the gym and I go to work. And I've got a full charge, you know? And then that goes into the weekend. And then on Sunday, you, you charge it again. And then Monday, you're back to work. Now, in between, if you have to drive outstation for some emergency or there's some issue, this is where you need a second car, right? Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense for people who are doing just city commuting. That's number one. Number two, after driving it and, and seeing how it, you know, the build quality and everything else, I showed it to some people and then I realized this car will make a great starter electric car for retired people with money. Mm -hmm. Because retired people don't need to travel to work. So what do they do? They want to go and do some errands, maybe go to the bank because they don't use online banking, maybe go and play golf, go and visit a friend for lunch. Now all that you can do and then you can come home and charge the car. As, as a retired person's electric car, I think it's great. Because why? It's a Mazda. It's got good you know, build quality. It's got the after sales and warranty. You've got, you've got Burmacia taking care of their customers. And then you've got that, you know, that price. Now, I've not come to the price after saying all this because among the current electric cars from around, I'm talking about brand new, yeah. this is only 198,000 ringgit. 
Okay, interesting. It priced very, very competitively with the other electric cars in the market. Yes, because you see, like the Volvo is two hundred eighty eight, but the Volvo has got a much more powerful. It's got a bigger battery system. It can go twice the distance. So you pay, you pay more, you get more. You yeah, know, yeah. So you pay one hundred ninety eight, maybe because you're thinking, I'm not going to be driving so much. I don't need to 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 go to Epo. Yeah. I don't need to to find constant charging stations everywhere because I'm going to charge at home. So all I need is a simple electric car to just do errands uh, daily. So hundred ninety eight thousand, why not? And I still got my warranty and after sales and everything looked after. So this goes up against Hyundai Kona or a Good Cat, those kinds of cars. Correct. So the Aura Good Cat, which is about fifty thousand cheaper, mm-hmm. the BYD, which is very popular right now, which is about forty thousand cheaper. Then you've got the Kona, which is about twenty thousand cheaper. So yes, you have other models which are lower price, but you know maybe you want something slightly different. Maybe you want something that looks like a car because why? Like I said, it doesn't look like an electric car because it's got a, a grill, it's got those unusual doors, it's got those nice coupe-like rear. You know? Yep. Yep. I love the, I mean, just looking at photos, I love the two-tone leather seats and now you tell me it's vegan leather at that. Um, that's very impressive. And I don't think a lot of people have booked this car simply because they've looked at the range and said, oh, you know, I want, I want something better. At this price, maybe this is all you need, you know. But again, it's an individual decision because why? Everybody's got different reasons to buy an electric car. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying this as your sole vehicle in the house, then I think, no, it's not for you. It's going to be a, a little bit of a chore to stop, charge, stop, charge, stop, charge. But as a city commuter car, I think it's got its deal done. Just for comparison's sake, if you're a Mazda loyalist or if you love the the Mazda brand and you don't right. think this is convincing enough for you, the MX-30, which other Mazda cars would be uh, in the running in this price well, range? You can get you can get the CX-30, hmm. you know, which is uh, almost the same size, maybe slightly lower, which is a two-litre petrol-driven vehicle. It's about 140000 you can get the Mazda 3, which is about 150000 That's a slightly more sleek-looking vehicle. Um, if you're looking at the same price range, you can get the CX-5 2.5 Turbo, which is slightly more, just above 200000 But that's you not know, big SUV, a lot of power, a lot of features. But, you know, almost the same kind of interior fit and finish. But, of course... They're not using vegan leather. They yeah, use, you know, real leather. Leather yeah. came from Mumu. Oh you my know? God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I love that, that, that you know, Burma is taking care and Mazda, Mazda is really varying their line of cars in this country. Yes. Cool. So that is uh, Daniel's review of the all-electric Mazda MX-30. Check it out on the dsf.my website to see some really beautiful photos. And, you know, I'm particularly taken by by the usage of um, recyclable materials because, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you want to be eco-conscious, not just put a battery on it, but also the materials in the car that makes it more eco-conscious, less waste. Looks pretty good as well with the front grille that looks like a real car. It should be fitted with a petrol engine though, I feel. I think if it gets a petrol engine, it'll sell quite well. So there we have it. We've come to the end of tonight's edition of Cruise Control. If you've missed any part of the show, you can check us back on the podcast. I recommend using the BFM app, which you can get on the Apple App Store or Google Play or anywhere else that you get your podcast. Catch you guys again same time next week. Uh, from me, Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez, this has been Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.